Section 32 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Celebrated Crimes, Volume 1 by Alexander Dumas. Translated by G. B. Ives. Section 32. The Chenchi. Part 4. Meantime, Monsignor Guerra received private information that, shortly before the death of Francesco, Marzio, and Olimpio had been seen prowling round the castle, and that the Neapolitan police had received orders to arrest them. The Monsignor was a most wary man, and very difficult to catch napping when warned in time. He immediately hired two other sbirri to assassinate Marzio and Olimpio. The one commissioned to put Olimpio out of the way came across him at Terni, and conscientiously did his work with a poniard. But Marzio's man unfortunately arrived at Naples too late, and found his bird already in the hands of the police. He was put to the torture, and confessed everything. His disposition was sent to Rome, whither he shortly afterwards followed it, to be confronted with the accused. Warrants were immediately issued for the arrest of Giacomo, Bernardo, Lucrezia, and Beatrice. They were at first confined in the Cenci Palace under a strong guard, but the proofs against them becoming stronger and stronger, they were removed to the castle of Corte Savella, where they were confronted with Marzio. But they obstinately denied both any complicity in the crime and any knowledge of the assassin. Beatrice, above all, displayed the greatest assurance, demanding to be the first to be confronted with Marzio, whose mendacity she affirmed with such calm dignity that he, more than ever smitten by her beauty, determined, since he could not live for her, to save her by his death. Consequently he declared all his statements to be false, and asked forgiveness from God and from Beatrice. Neither threats nor tortures could make him recant, and he died firm in his denial, under frightful tortures. The Chenchi then thought themselves safe. God's justice, however, still pursued them. The Sbirro who had killed Olympio happened to be arrested for another crime, and, making a clean breast, confessed that he had been employed by Monsignor Guerra to put out of the way a fellow assassin named Olympio, who knew too many of the Monsignor's secrets. Luckily for himself, Monsignor Guerra heard of this opportunely. A man of infinite resource, he lost not a moment in timid or irresolute plans, but as it happened that at that very moment when he was warned, the charcoal dealer who supplied his house with fuel was at hand. He sent for him, purchased his silence with a handsome bribe, and then, buying for almost their weight in gold the dirty old clothes which he wore, he assumed these, cut off all his beautiful cherished fair hair, stained his beard, smudged his face, bought two asses, laden with charcoal, and limped up and down the streets of Rome, crying, Charcoal! Charcoal! Then whilst all the detectives were hunting high and low for him, he got out of the city, met a company of merchants under escort, joined them, and reached Naples, where he embarked. What ultimately became of him was never known. It has been asserted, but without confirmation, that he succeeded in reaching France, and enlisted in a Swiss regiment in the pay of Henry IV. The confession of the Sibirro and the disappearance of Monsignor Guerra left no moral doubt of the guilt of the Cenci. They were consequently sent from the castle to the prison. The two brothers, when put to the torture, broke down and confessed their guilt. Lucrezia Petroni's full habit of body rendered her unable to bear the torture of the rope, 
and on being suspended in the air, begged to be lowered when she confessed all she knew. As for Beatrice, she continued unmoved, neither promises, threats, nor torture had any effect upon her, she bore everything unflinchingly, and the judge Ulysses Moscati himself, famous though he was in such matters, failed to draw from her a single incriminating word. Unwilling to take any further responsibility, he referred the case to Clement Eight, and the Pope, conjecturing that the judge had been too lenient in applying the torture to a young and beautiful Roman lady, took it out of his hands, and entrusted it to another judge, whose severity and insensibility to emotion were undisputed. This latter reopened the whole interrogatory, and as Beatrice up to that time had only been subjected to the ordinary torture, he gave instructions to apply both the ordinary and extraordinary. This was the rope and pulley, one of the most terrible inventions ever devised by the most ingenious of tormentors. To make the nature of this horrid torture plain to our readers, we give a detailed description of it, adding an extract of the presiding judge's report of the case, taken from the Vatican manuscripts. Of the various forms of torture then used in Rome, the most common were the whistle, the fire, the sleepless, and the rope. The mildest, the torture of the whistle, was used only in the case of children and old persons. It consisted in thrusting between the nails and the flesh reeds cut in the shape of whistles. The fire, frequently employed before the invention of the sleepless torture, was simply roasting the soles of the feet before a hot fire. The sleepless torture, invented by Marsilius, was worked by forcing the accused into an angular frame of wood about five feet high, the sufferer being stripped and his arms tied behind his back to the frame. Two men, relieved every five hours, sat beside him, and roused him the moment he closed his eyes. Marsilius says he has never found a man a proof against this torture, but here he claims more than he is justly entitled to. Farinacci states that, out of one hundred accused persons subjected to it, five only refused to confess. A very satisfactory result for the inventor. Lastly comes the torture of the rope and pulley, the most in vogue of all, and known in other Latin countries as the strapado. It was divided into three degrees of intensity, the slight, the severe, and the very severe. The first, or slight, torture, which consisted mainly in the apprehensions it caused, comprised the threat of severe torture, introduction into the torture chamber, stripping, and the tying of the rope in readiness for its appliance. To increase the terror these preliminaries excited, a pang of physical pain was added by tightening a cord round the wrists. This often sufficed to extract a confession from women or men of highly strung nerves. The second, or severe, torture consisted in fastening the sufferer stripped naked and his hands tied behind his back by the wrists to one end of a rope passed round a pulley bolted into the vaulted ceiling, the other end being attached to a windlass, by turning which he could be hoisted into the air, and dropped again, either slowly or with a jerk, as ordered by the judge. The suspension generally lasted during the recital of a paternoster, an ave maria, or a miserere. If the accused persisted in his denial, it was doubled. This second degree, the last of the ordinary torture, was put in practice when the crime appeared reasonably probable, but was not absolutely proved. The third, or very severe, the first of the extraordinary forms of torture, was so called when the sufferer, 
having hung suspended by the wrists for sometimes a whole hour was swung about by the executioner either like the pendulum of a clock or by elevating him with a windlass and dropping him to within a foot or two of the ground if he stood this torture a thing almost unheard of seeing that it cut the flesh of the wrist to the bone and dislocated the limbs weights were attached to the feet thus doubling the torture this last form of torture was only applied when an atrocious crime had been proved to have been committed upon a sacred person such as a priest a cardinal a prince or an eminent and learned man having seen that beatrice was sentenced to the torture ordinary and extraordinary and having explained the nature of these tortures we proceed to quote the official report and as in reply to every question she would confess nothing we caused her to be taken by two officers and led from the prison to the torture chamber where the torturer was in attendance there after cutting off her hair he made her sit on a small stool undressed her pulled off her shoes tied her hands behind her back fastened them to a rope passed over a pulley bolted into the ceiling of the aforesaid chamber and wound up at the other end by a four-lever windlass worked by two men before hoisting her from the ground we again interrogated her touching the aforesaid parricide but notwithstanding the confessions of her brother and her stepmother which were again produced bearing their signatures she persisted in denying everything saying haul me about and do what you like with me i have spoken the truth and will tell you nothing else even if i were torn to pieces upon this we had her hoisted in the air by the wrists to the height of about two feet from the ground while we recited a pater noster and then again questioned her as to the facts and the circumstances of the aforesaid parricide but she would make no further answer only saying you are killing me you are killing me we then raised her to the elevation of four feet and began an ave maria but before our prayer was half finished she fainted away or pretended to do so we caused a bucketful of water to be thrown over her head feeling its coolness she recovered consciousness and cried my god i am dead you are killing me my god but this was all she would say we then raised her higher still and recited a miserere during which instead of joining in the prayer she shook convulsively and cried several times my god my god again questioned as to the aforesaid parricide she would confess nothing saying only that she was innocent and then again fainted away we caused more water to be thrown over her then she recovered her senses opened her eyes and cried o cursed executioners you are killing me you are killing me but nothing more would she say seeing which and that she persisted in her denial we ordered the torturer to proceed to the torture by jerks he accordingly hoisted her ten feet from the ground and when there we enjoined her to tell the truth but whether she would not or could not speak she answered only by a motion of the head indicating that she could say nothing seeing which we made a sign to the executioner to let go the rope and she fell with all her weight from the height of ten feet to that of two feet her arms from the shock were dislocated from the sockets she uttered a loud cry and swooned away we again caused water to be dashed in her face she returned to herself and again cried out infamous assassins you are killing me but were you to tear out my arms i would tell you nothing else upon this we ordered a weight of fifty pounds to be fastened to her feet 
but at this moment the door opened and many voices cried enough enough do not torture her any more these voices were those of giacomo bernardo and lucrezia petroni the judges perceiving the obstinacy of beatrice had ordered that the accused who had been separated for five months should be confronted they advanced into the torture chamber and seeing beatrice hanging by the wrists her arms disjointed and covered with blood giacomo cried out the sin is committed nothing further remains but to save our souls by repentance undergo death courageously and not suffer you to be thus tortured then said beatrice shaking her head as if to cast off grief do you then wish to die since you wish it be it so then turning to the officers untie me said she read the examination to me and what i have to confess i will confess what i have to deny i will deny beatrice was then lowered and untied a barber reduced the dislocation of her arms in the usual manner the examination was read over to her and as she had promised she made a full confession after this confession at the request of the two brothers they were all confined in the same prison but the next day giacomo and bernardo were taken to the cells of tordinona as for the women they remained where they were End of section 32